0: Denise Lee Yon, and here's an interview with Sally Smith, CEO of Buffalo Wild Wings, the casual dining restaurant chain. I spoke with Sally during the research for my book, Extraordinary Experiences, What Great Retail and Restaurant Brands Do. And in the book, I highlighted Buffalo Wild Wings for ignoring trends, because I was fascinated to learn about how Sally and her team set out to intentionally break the rules of the industry, make unconventional decisions, and carve out a unique path for the brand. Cover a lot of ground in our conversation. Take a listen to learn what makes Buffalo Wild Wings a great brand.
1: anyway, I'm going to okay. uh, take you back uh, to to how we make how things how we innovate around things, and yeah. and then I'll come to the guest experience because it's a logical okay. step. But um, great. So a good decade ago, we were working with an outside facilitator, really, and trying to, um, you know, do some strategy work, and one of the exercises that he put us through was to identify the industry rules. Now, these are not written down rules, but they are kind of generally accepted rules that surround the industry and the restaurant industry, and so... We were, and, he, and he, the exercise was to, was to lead us to, uh, uh, and, and we identified a whole number of industry rules. And one of the, I don't want to say his premises, but a lot of work that he'd done is, if you can break the, an industry rule, you can often gain competitive advantage.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So mm-hmm. went through uh, all of that, and and um, and in, in then. In, and tried to say, okay, what industry rules can we break? And one of them had to do with a couple of things. One, table turns, certainly, um, you know, how fast you can turn a table. It was kind of industry rule in casual dining, uh, as well as um, perhaps the, you know, the that uh, when you think about, um, when you think about, the restaurant industry is a career or a place people can make a career. It's kind of an industry rule that it's a, it's a first-time job or a job of transition. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. So in later years, as we were working through, um, again, talking about strategy, we also talked about how when you're working, everybody says they want to work on things that are strategic to the business. But it's often the essential work that takes over. So, trying to – we felt it was very important to isolate those things that truly were a competitive difference. And what I mean by – so if you, have, um, if you have a server, or, or let's say you have uh, a general manager, and we want him on the floor, you know, a greeting guests, working with his team – But when scheduling or payroll information has to be entered, that's going to take precedence over anything strategic work that he might be doing. So we've tried to pull apart the strategy work and the essential work. And so as we were thinking of a server, uh, a waiter, or waitress in, in a Buffalo Wild Wings, or any restaurant for that matter, you as a guest, the things that you value with your server are you want to be greeted and you want to be seated, you want your beverage order taken, your brev- beverage order brought to the table. Mm-hmm. You want to mm-hmm. have your food order. You want your, fo- your appetizer to come out when it has to, the food to come out timely, and you eventually want to pay and pay timely. Right. So those the those are kind of the essential steps of service that a server does, and we want them to be very hospitable and, and make a connection with that guest. But when we looked at all the things that go on at Buffalo Wild Wings, we also realized we were asking servers to – be knowledgeable about what teams were playing, what sporting events were on TV, wanted them to be able to change the channel. Um, we have uh, we have a, something called Buzz Time Trivia. It's an mm-hmm. online real-time trivia game. Some guests don't know how to play it. Servers would have to bring them the little trivia tablet and explain how to do it. Maybe someone wanted to do the blazon Challenge or they wanted to sample a sauce. and. So when you're asking your server to do all of those things in addition to their essential steps, you're taking them off. The the. You're, they end up ignoring their tables as a result if they're working just one table. So we said, how about if we um, uh, create a position in the restaurant of, for someone? That's going to focus on all of the on that guest experience. Let the servers do what they do really well. Still very hospitable, um, but the essential steps of service that you want servers to do, and have a guest experience. Captain, do more of the strategy, uh, the the relationship, and the connection with the guest. Uh, You know, a lot of times. People say they want to, or restaurants will say, oh, we want to do sampling, but then when you ask the servers to do it, it takes them all those things. So we um, right. we create a position called the Guest Experience Captain to do all of the things that we think enhances the guest experience and perhaps makes them want to come back to Buffalo Wild Wings.
2: Mm-hmm. 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 And so – um, it, it seems like there might be a connection to the comment that you made earlier about, you know, one of the rules in the industry is that, you know, the, this is like being in the restaurant is a first-time job or it's a job of transition. There's no there's no real, um, you know, career, perhaps. So do you view this guest captain
1: position differently in that light? Sure, a couple of things. One, um, it, it, you know, it. And even for servers, trying to identify, in particular servers, bartenders, how they can have a career at Buffalo Wild Wings. So um, identifying, you know, and and certainly this industry is, you know, has a reputation for very high turnover. So what are the job aspects that you need to be able to offer to a person to have them want to consider lifetime employment or long-term employment, I should say, not lifetime, but long-term employment? (laughs) Uh Uh We'll tell you, whether it's in retail or restaurants, that the the guest experience is enhanced by people who have remained there so that they know they have a familiar face when they go in. Mm -hmm. And so in order to one, step turnover, which is costly, and two, to continue to enhance a reason for a guest to come, we want people working longer. And Mm -hmm. uh, so then... So we're trying to identify, and, and so part of it was to say, okay, what are the aspects of a service job that they don't necessarily like? And, you know, they didn't necessarily mm-hmm. want to do the sampling and want to do the channel changes and do those things because they felt then they were ignoring their other guests. Right, right. And so by, a, by take and then hiring for the guest experience captain might require a different personality or that ability to feel very comfortable going up to a table and engaging with the table. And that may not be the same personality that you're looking for in a server.
2: Right, right. So by kind of um, placing the right people in the right jobs to focus on the specific things, you not only serve the guests better, but you also make the employment experience better
1: for those people. Right, because you've hired for the personality that you're looking for.
2: Right, right. Now, um, I believe, and I only skimmed your most recent um, earnings report, but I think there was some mention of um, higher labor costs, and some of that was attributed to the bonuses that were paid out to the guest captain. So I was kind of curious as to, if, could you just explain that a little bit, and, and how do you see that paying out for you?
1: Sure. A couple of things. The incentive, the bonuses paid, actually were a result of we'd had very high same-store sales in mm-hmm. January. Okay. And so it wasn't necessarily only to the guest experience captains, but it had to do with um, the incentives paid to for stores for their high same store sales. For the guest experience uh-huh. captain still um, we're still trying to we're still tweaking the model. how many hours do we want and need a guest experience captain and how many should be on at, every, at, it, at all times. And so we do believe it's a driver of our guest satisfaction index as well as our same store sales. But we're still working on the labor model. What's the right amount of labor that we need in that position?
2: Got it. Okay. All right. So then um, shifting gears to another example that I think is is highlighted quite a bit, and this is the decision to change the way that you were portioning your chicken wings. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, just kind of wanted to ask you, you know, kind of in hindsight now, did that turn out to be the right move? And is there, you know, was there a decision making process that went into that that you would have done differently, or are you totally um,
1: confident in, in, in what had happened? Uh, well, it definitely was the right decision. So I'll take you back a little bit. Um, we uh, it, it, we we talked about making this change probably eight, ten years ago uh, because we were getting guest comments that, gee, sometimes the wings were really tiny, sometimes they're really big. And as much as we would like to spec that ideal size wing – you know it were subject to whatever the grower, however big they want the the birds to get, so what was happening is this was coinciding with the time that corn prices had really escalated. The corn, of course, is one of the primary ingredients in in feeding chickens, yeah. so it made sense for the growers at that time to grow larger birds. That's great mm-hmm. they get uh, and they're grown for the breast meat, not for wings. And so they would get a, a greater breast yield and uh, ounces of of, uh, of chicken, but they, the chicken still only have two wings. And so the wings were getting much <laughs> the wings were getting much bigger. So we as a company and and the price of of wings was going up. So we as a company we buy wings by the pound, and we were used to them by the piece. So we had a yield problem. Uh, yeah. We used you be able to buy uh, you, you could get about uh, a pound of wings used to yield about 10 wings and we started seeing our wings coming in at 6 or 7 per pound
2: mm-hmm. well if we're selling
1: by each and we used to sell in increments of 6 12 18
2: mm-hmm.
1: and if i was selling 6 wings that 10 pound or that 10 piece pound would fill one and 2 thirds orders a 6 mm-hmm. or 7 Uh, piece pound would only fill one and maybe one extra wing so we had a yield problem and a cost problem Um, Mm -hmm. so we did some extensive research and working with our franchisees and our company operations as we prepared to and wanted to make this change we surveyed our franchisees we surveyed our company stores a lot of people were not very excited about making this change because we'd sold wings that way for 30 years Right, and mm-hmm. so we knew we needed to get it right. Uh, we knew we needed to educate our team members in the restaurant so that they could be prepared to answer questions around mm-hmm. why the change, and mm-hmm. because guests would clearly notice, and guests you know, right. want to know how many wings they're going to get. So we tested a variety of techniques. So should we say there's a minimum of a five in a small? Should we say there's a minimum of 10 in a medium? And uh, we tested, you know, different – we tested different menus with that in a, in a select group of stores and got, um, got again, get, uh, customer feedback, um, franchisee and operations feedback. And then uh, when we decided to roll, we felt we had trained and prepared operations very well. Uh, and I think it, it proves that we had very, very few comments on social media or even customer comments because now we, they knew that a small would contain anywhere from five to seven wings. If wings are really small, just like too big a wings, guests would <laughs> be unhappy with, with small wings, which often right. happens, you know, just the cyclical chickens, when it's hot in the south, the chickens are not eating and growing. So we used to have small wings in the summer. This solved both problems, and I think the very thoughtful rollout uh, and the training that went around it was really critical. Uh, we mm-hmm. saw our same for sales, actually we saw our, our wing sales actually increase, and um, mm-hmm. um, and very limited comments uh, by mm-hmm. guests, and, uh, and it's been in place now for two years and has been very successful.
2: Right. Now, I would, I can imagine, um, you know, both the kind of general industry criticism as well as, I, I guess, what sounds like some pushback that you got internally. It, it would have taken some, um, courage or chutzpah or whatever you want to call it to kind of say, no, this is the right thing to do. Like, um, where does that come from? Like, where does that decision to move forward despite the criticism or despite the questioning? Where does that, how do you, how do you deal with that? <clears throat>
1: Oh, if you know, okay, so my job as CEO is to think about the long term. Um, and having been here for 20 years, I have the perspe- I have the I can look back and see decisions we've made and what I might have done differently and and try to apply that decision you're making today, knowing that sometimes some short term pain um, is worth it for the long term. and really that's what it was. So we really tried to anticipate what the pushback would be. You know, if we knew we could handle it operationally, so the Mm -hmm. kitchen could handle it, because that's the first point. If the kitchen can't handle it, it's certainly easier for for the heart of the house to be counting out six pieces than to weighing. You know, we do measurements throughout the day so we know how many should be going out. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's, it's all that operational issue. And then if you say, okay, who else is this critical to? Well, it's definitely critical to the guest. What does the guest want to know? And then who's going to deliver that information? And that's the server. So we knew we had to. You start with operations, make sure you get get that right. Then you right. start with what are all the things that the that the guest is going to want to know, and you develop a training program around that. Um, mm-hmm. And that philosophy that um, that. Yeah, there might be short-term pain, but it's really for the best long-term. And then you test it. You don't necessarily roll it out in 1,100 restaurants all uh-huh. at once without right. having tested it in one in several markets and with mm-hmm. several different franchisees who, you know, are, are closest to the guest uh, or our company stores. Test it. Get their feedback. Make the tweaks before you make the final push for for a full rollout.
2: Right, right. Okay. Now, uh, more recently, the decision not to air the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight uh, must have been a difficult one. And um, can you tell me the thinking behind that?
1: Sure. Well, uh, a couple of things. First of all, we don't air every fight anyway. So uh, when there would be a fight, um, a boxing fight, we would look at uh, who was – who is going to be boxing. We look at what day it's going to be, the boxing match is going to take place and at what time. And then we look at the um, cost. And before, not this fight in particular, but we would often have, in Minneapolis, for example, where I've got 25 plus restaurants, we may have that fight uh, air in 10 or 15 restaurants and we would just let guests know where it was airing. So if they were interested in watching it. The Mayweather uh, fight. Uh, a couple of things. It was a Saturday night, and the fight was supposed to start at 8 p.m. Uh, that works fine for the East Coast, but on the West Coast and the Midwest and the West Coast, we're already on a wait in many restaurants at 6 p.m. And right. mm-hmm. um, and we have loyal guests that come in at 6 p.m. and weren't necessarily coming for the fight. So, uh, and we knew because of the cost, this was a you know about five times higher than any fight we'd ever paid for, we knew that we would have to co- uh, charge a cover charge. We have never, on the company side, charged a cover charge for a fight. We've had franchisees do it, but so it's that question of, do you alienate your regular guest who might be coming on a Saturday night, doesn't know you're going to be charging for the fight, and if it's a 20 or $30 cover charge, all of a sudden, a family of four, we say, oh, you're going to have to pay $80 to come in the door well yeah i don't you know versus the number of guests that we would get for that fight only um, mm-hmm. so it it had the combination, and then, as I look at it from a from a system wide or even from the company side for the company, it was a, uh, a about a two and a half million dollar cost if I do it system wide it's about a five and a half million dollar cost that's significantly more than than most than any sponsorship we've ever done, including you know the our, our bowl game. So we couldn't. And then you look. Oh, the other factor was how large are the restaurants. So uh, you knew we knew that you needed a certain number of seats to even possibly break even. Um, and we did end up showing it. And I think it's about a ten company stores. And I had fifty to seventy franchise locations. Show it, and I had a couple franchisees who did a very thoughtful analysis for me, and um, it was break even at best for them, and so that was why you know we we love uh, we love being able to participate in uh, and show sporting events. You also had NBA finals on, and you had and you had hockey play or NBA playoffs and hockey playoffs that night, so. Mm and that's really kind of what we focus on versus a one-time event. But we did—we did. Right. We did uh, igno- I mean, well, one of the things we did is really wanted to push large order takeout. So if you're going to watch the game, you don't want to cook wings. Were a great thing, or a, the match. If you're going to mm-hmm. 99 dollars or whatever, uh, get wings for you and your guests. Right.
2: Right. Hmm. Okay. Um, I know we only have a few minutes left, so I guess I, I want to return to, um, you know, this, this thing that you told me a decade ago that you worked with this outside facilitator um, on kind of identifying industry rules that you could break. Is there – so is that something that you – continue to do, or or are you going to kind of revisit again at some point? I mean, I'm trying to understand, was that kind of a one-time thing that kind of set you on this trajectory, or is this something that is more now a part of the way that you do
1: business? Well, I think there. I mean, I think as you're always looking at your strategy and, you know, you look at what's happening in the marketplace, in the greater economy, that kind of thing. And I think we always ask the question, is there something that we could do different than – than our competitors, than the rest of the industry. So I think that's a question we ask. I don't know that we necessarily focus only on that anymore. Uh, we also mm-hmm. spend a lot of time. Or we we have uh, do a significant amount of guest research, especially with that mm-hmm. guest who uses us. Um, and so we'll ask them. We'll ask them those kinds of questions.
2: Mhm. Mhm. So is it a matter of? of uh, just purely just differentiation or is there something about um your culture or kind of the way that you operate that is that is more uh contrary or more just kind of wanting to be surprising um you know because i think it, i guess what i'm trying to get at it is i think you know i, I would hope I, you know, I think I would hope that most most brands, most chains would say that they are trying to differentiate. But I'm trying to get a sense for is this something that is there something unique about the way that Buffalo Wild Wings does this or thinks about this,
1: or is that just kind of part of you know the, the business strategy? So I don't know that I'll, I'll try to answer that. Is, is there something unique? My guess is other people are trying to differentiate as well. Uh, we've tried mm-hmm. to differentiate on the guest experience um, and what is what does our guest want. We're not going to be all things to all guests. Um, mm-hmm. I think we also um, we also like to look at what's happening in other industries that we might be able to apply to Buffalo Wild Wings. Mm-hmm. So when we think about best in class or best practices, mm-hmm. that's at the has, doesn't have great best practices and, and there's certain things you definitely want to copy they, everybody on but um are there other things we could do that don't necessarily set us apart but help us in in what in our business what we're trying to do um, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: i I don't know that do you I have an a...
2: example of that? oh okay. yeah. <laughs> I just that you'm not sure if you have an example of that right. <laughs>
1: and I, I wouldn't say that this isn't something that other people don't do I mean i because I haven't asked them, but um, I, uh, maybe five years ago or something um, i I happened to be reading a a, a story it was a CEO of the year of the year in a in a CEO magazine or something and one of the things that struck me about the I was reading the interview, and he talked about interviewing four levels down so that they were very. They had, a, they had a very thorough process on how they hired people, and they were known for having great people. And I read it, and I thought, you know, if he interviews four levels down, um, I thought, you know, why don't we interview four levels down? Mm. So in the past, mm. for example, our general managers uh, were interviewed and hired at the local level. So the regional manager might do the, the hiring and the interviewing. Maybe the the director of operations would get involved. And I worked with our operations team, and I, our head of operations at the time, and I said, what if we bring in general manager candidates in here to the home office to interview? Um, mm-hmm. Even if it's a promotion, they're moving from assistant manager, or it's a hire from the outside. I said,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, this is, this is one of our most important positions. This is, they are running their own little business out there, and don't you, we, should, we should spend the time and the money to do this. That is an example of, of and, and maybe others in the industry do, I don't know, I haven't asked them, but it's something that we do. It's, it certainly has um, reduced general manager turnover. And mm. if you have an assistant manager who comes into interview and doesn't get that promotion, You've had the ability to talk with that gen- that assistant manager and say, you know, this isn't right for you. You need a little bit more experience here. We're going to help you get this experience, but we have these positions opening up in the next six to nine months. So instead of all of a sudden someone being brought in over them and then not, and them not knowing, or someone being hired as a general manager and assistant manager not understanding why didn't I get this, you've had a chance to talk with them, and. I- uh, It also kept people from, you know, good people from leaving.
2: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That sounds so smart. Well, Sally um, and Heather, thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, This has been terrific. This is exactly the kind of information I wanted to get, so I really appreciate it. This is Denise Leon,
0: and you've been listening to my interview with Sally Smith, CEO of Buffalo Wild Wings. Learn more about Buffalo Wild Wings and how great brands ignore trends in my new book, Extraordinary Experiences, What Great Retail and Restaurant Brands Do. Go to deniselyeon.com slash extraordinary hyphen experiences. Thanks for listening.